You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Wipe his feet meant her hair held to be down. Jewish ladies did not wear their hair down in public. Their hair was always bound. They were not allowed to put their hair down in public. That's how humble she came before him. She let her hair down and came before him. And according to Matthew and Mark, she not only anointed his feet, but she poured the thing over his head and anointed his body. He was anointed from top of his head to the tip of his toes. She anointed his whole body. To me, This is worship at its best. Just as Mary worshiped Jesus through serving Him out of true love and devotion, you should do the same. You should do everything you can to worship God in being a servant for Him. Today, Pastor Dave challenges us to take a second look inside ourselves at our true intent when worshiping God. Now here's Pastor Dave from the book of John chapter 12 as he continues his message, Waste or Worship? Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Martha. But there's a different about Martha. There's something different about Martha. She's serving the Lord. She's serving the Lord. And she's probably in the kitchen humming and worshiping and having a great time. Because what is she not doing? She's not complaining. She's not murmuring. She's not murmuring about someone else's walk. Look at Mary. She hasn't helped me at all. No, she's not worried about that anymore. Something happened in in Martha's heart. This is true worship, worship by serving. She is serving others while serving her Lord. And she's doing it out of the goodness of her heart because of what the Lord has done for her. See the difference? She's not serving out of obligation. She's serving because Christ has served her. Christ died for her. So she's giving back because she loves him. She's giving back because the Lord loves her so much. And I like this. I think this is great. She's no longer complaining. Serving Jesus by serving others. Serving with the intent of honoring Jesus, not for appearances, not for status. Look what I did. Not for status or appearances. Simply serving out of love and devotion for Jesus. That's why she was doing it. Love and devotion for Jesus. And this is true worship, folks. When you do all things as unto the Lord, like the scripture says... You are worshiping Jesus through serving, through serving. You're serving someone not to get something from them. You're serving someone just to share the love of the Lord with them. This is worship from the heart. Serving is joyful. There's no complaining. There's no murmuring. You're not looking at someone else's walk. You're looking to the Lord and serving with a pure heart. To me, this is a beautiful description of worship through service. Worship through service. Just looking out for the needs of others. Doing it because Jesus loved you so much that you want to help somebody else. You want to share that love of Jesus Christ with somebody else. Laying down your life. Lazarus, on the other hand, Lazarus, on the other hand, is just sitting there. And it's his presence that's worshiping the Lord. His presence alone is worshiping the Lord. Why? Because he's a witness of what the Lord has done. 
He's serving by being a witness. He's just sitting there. And everybody's like, weren't you dead four days ago? He's sitting there. What a testimony of God's love. Here you have a guy sitting there who was literally dead for four days in a tomb, sitting there, eating with them, talking with them. Did he have to say much? No, because he was right there in front of them. They they were going, what is this? Just the fact that he was there, come on. It's proof that Jesus is willing to restore that which was lost, that which was dead. Jesus resurrected his life, gave him new life, and Lazarus is here worshiping by being a testimony for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. Sneak over there. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, Jesus, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And then if you look down to 11, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Lazarus was serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord through witnessing. He was there, his testimony, thank you. The word of his testimony, it says in Revelation. By the word of our testimony, it was his presence alone. We witness and testify that Jesus is our Lord, that we've committed our lives to him. We're worshiping him. Our lives are worshiping him. We're giving him glory and praise. Our testimony, people can see our changed life. People can see our lives reflect the new man, the new woman. In Christ, behold, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. Our lives reflect that. Lazarus' life reflected a brand new life. He wasn't the same old Lazarus that he was. He was now alive. He was dead literally. He was dead spiritually. Excuse me, physically. We were dead spiritually. Ephesians says, but you he made alive. You he made alive. So it's your witness that you're not in the old life. Now in Jesus Christ, it's a witness of Christ's work in your life. It's a witness of him. So Jesus is so worthy of our worship that you have Martha worshiping him by serving him and Lazarus worshiping him by being a witness of his great love. But the star of the meal, besides Jesus, the star of the meal has to be Mary. Has to be Mary. Mary did something special that day. Mary did something special that day. Let's look at verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. Oh, I love that. The fragrance of oil filled the house. It probably ran out of the house and down the streets of the town of Bethany. Mary did something special. She humbly came to Jesus' feet. She came to Jesus' feet. Once again, she was at the feet of Jesus. Mary loves being at the feet of Jesus. Mary loves and knows that there's no special, better special place than at the feet of Jesus. And through an act of pure love, through an act of pure devotion, she anoints Jesus with this very expensive oil, oil of spikenard. It's also called nard. It's an amber-colored essential oil from a flowering plant found in the mountains of Nepal, China, and India. Very expensive that day. Very expensive. And we're going to read in verse 5 that it cost 300 denarii just to buy that. About a year's wages. A year's wages. Mary took that and gave it to Jesus. She gave it back to Jesus. To wipe his feet meant her hair had to be down. 
Jewish ladies did not wear their hair down in public. Their hair was always bound. They were not allowed to put their hair down in public. That's how humble she came before him. She let her hair down and came before him. And according to Matthew and Mark, she not only anointed his feet, but she poured the thing over his head and anointed his body. He was anointed from the top of his head to the tip of his toes. She anointed his whole body. To me, this is worship at its best. To me, this is the ultimate form of worship. Not the pouring of the, of the nard, don't get me wrong. It's the ultimate form of worship, giving everything that she had to her Lord. Everything she had, because she knew, she knew without a doubt that something special about this man and something special was going to happen. And we're going to see later that she probably had some spiritual discernment of what was going to happen. We're not real sure. At Jesus' feet, there's no higher place. There's no higher place giving him her best. One commentator said this, I like this, quote, Like David, Mary would not give the Lord that which cost her nothing. It is easy to give the Lord things that we receive for free. It's easy to give away things that don't cost us anything. But here, Mary gave away what cost her the most. This year's wages. I don't know how much any of you make, but think about it, spending a year's wage one whole year's wage to worship the Lord. One whole year's. It's a lot. It's a lot. One commentator said this, He who has religion that costs him nothing has a religion that is worth nothing. Nor will any man esteem the ordinance of God if those ordinances cost him nothing. And the great F.B. Meyer said this, quote, Where there is true, strong love to Jesus, it will cost us something. Love is the costliest of all undertakings, but what shall we mind if we gain Christ? You cannot give up for him without regaining everything you have renounced, but purified and transfigured, unquote. Giving all to Jesus, giving all back to Jesus. The house was filled with the fragrance of oil. It must have been a beautiful, sweet-smelling savor to Jesus' nostrils. It must have been a beautiful, sweet-smelling sacrifice. She was sacrificing everything she had for her Lord, and she was at his feet. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of pure worship. What a beautiful picture. But the scene quickly changes. The scene quickly changes, and it's very, very sad. Whenever anyone gives their best and everything to the Lord, whenever there is a true act of love, a true act of grace, a true act of devotion to the Lord, whenever there is a true act of worship, other will think it's a waste of time. There will be those who think it's an absolute waste of time. You probably know many people today who think you're wasting your time right now. You could be related to them, I don't know. But many people think what we do when we worship our Lord is an absolute waste of time. They think that it's an absolute waste of time, of resources, and they make slanderous remarks towards you. Hasn't changed a lot, has it? Remember when we studied 1 Samuel? David danced before the ark. Remember David danced before the ark? And his wife rebuked him for dancing before the ark, for worshiping his Lord. When our worship comes from the heart, when our worship comes out of pure devotion to Jesus, you're going to find yourselves criticized by others and sadly, even by some of your fellow Christians. Let's look at four through six. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, 
why has this fragrance not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take that which was put in. Mary's act of worship was misunderstood by Judas first, and he speaks out against this. But it's really interesting because if you go back and read Matthew and Mark's account, they said that the other disciples joined in. The other disciples joined in with Judas's rebuke of Mary for doing this. Yeah. John's narrative, John gives us the benefit of hindsight. He gives us the benefit of hindsight, clearly that he knows that Judas is a thief. Judas's character is despicable. He's a thief. And he used to put his hand into the jar and steal the money. So everything that he wanted was selfish. Yeah, that 300 denarii that they could have sold it for, I wonder how much of that would have been in his pocket. You know, Judas was thinking of self, 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 self. Anytime you're worshiping God with a pure heart, don't be surprised if somebody scoffs at what you do. Oh, look at them. I can't believe they're raising their hands. Oh, I can't believe they're doing that. Oh, how horrible. But Jesus would have none of it. I love my Jesus. He's so cool. Look at verse 7 and 8. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, will have with you always. But me, you do not have always. Jesus has none of it. He comes to his aid and rebukes Judas. He rebukes him right there. What's interesting to me is that Jesus never criticized Mary's worship. He never said, stop, don't do that. He never did that. What did he say about Mary's worship? What did he say about Mary's worship? And remember, we're discussing it today, some 2,000 plus years later. Well, you got to go to Matthew and Mark to find out what Jesus said about Mary's worship. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, when, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 2,000 years later, we're talking about that right now, right? A memorial to her as an example of worship, an example of true, pure, devotional worship. How precious this must have been to Jesus. How precious this must have been to our Jesus. You know, he loves it when we worship him in sincerity and truth. He loves it when your heart is pure. Now, you know, I'm not as naive as many of you think I am. In fact, I'm a rather intelligent fellow from time to time. And I know that many of you come to church with things on your mind. Many of you come to church with problems and with difficulties in life. And many of you probably with your spouse have a great argument before you get here. That's just what happens. Many of you even have a better argument on the way home. It's just what happens. I know that. All right. I know that. And in fact, even sometimes when we say, okay, we're going to do the blessing, and I want you to say it to each other, I hear moaning even from the worship team. Oh, no, not again. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Is this guy crazy? Oh, my gosh, I have to bless somebody? Ah. Oh. And I know some of you, when we say stand in worship, we go, oh, here we go again. Oh, my gosh, okay. I know that. But think about it. Think about who's listening to that conversation. 
Think about who's looking at that as you do that. Think about that. We're supposed to be worshiping our Lord. Don't come in here thinking that it's going to be part of a show. Don't come in here thinking it's going to be part of... Worship him. Worship him. Some people close their eyes and just worship him. And man, you tell you what, you can see a beauty and a, a joy on their face when they're worshiping the Lord. It's wonderful to see somebody worshiping the Lord. But he loves it when we worship him in sincerity, when we give our entire devotion to him. Mary's one act of worship, we're being blessed 2,000 years later. That oil is still filling this room today. The fragrance of the Holy Spirit is filling this room with that fragrance. And we go, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sharing this with us. Can you imagine? He's allowing us to share in that fragrance. He's allowing us to share in what Mary did. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God. Did Mary have spiritual discernment about Jesus' death? Sounds like it. Jesus said, well, wait a minute. She's doing this for my burial. She's doing this before my burial. Did she have a sympathetic insight to the future? Maybe Mary got this discernment by sitting at his feet all those years. Maybe Mary got this discernment by listening to his words as he, she sat there and listened to him time and time and time again as he spoke. Maybe Mary picked up some things that everybody else seemed to miss. And Mary might have had spiritual discernment. So she goes, you know what? I won't be able to honor him in a couple days from now. I'm not going to be really able to honor him the way I want to honor him because you know what? He's going to be dead. But now I can honor him. I can do this with him looking. I can do this face to face with him. And I can tell him how much I love him by doing this. Maybe she had that spiritual discernment. I don't know. It doesn't really say, but it looks that way. Many believe that the rebuke of Jesus was an instrumental part in Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Remember last week we talked about the final straw? Remember last week we talked about the final straw, the one that broke the camel's back, etc. This might have been the final straw for Judas. Maybe he thought, well, wait a minute, he's going to die. Where's my part in the kingdom? I thought I was going to help rule with him. I thought I was going to have some part in the new kingdom. Where's my part? It's all gone away now, so I'm going to betray him. I don't know. In verse 8, Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. See, Jesus loves it when we minister unto him, when we give all our devotion to him. He said the poor are loved, and they're really never poor because what Jesus has accomplished. Where are all our riches, according to the Bible? In Christ Jesus, aren't they? As long as I have Christ Jesus, I will never be poor. I will never be in want. As long as I have Christ Jesus in my heart, I will never be in want because he has supplied all my riches in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture tells us. We're made richer in him than any money or wealth can buy. And then finally in 9 through 11, it says now a great many of the Jews came. We talked about that. Look at 10. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Why? Because too many people were coming to the Lord. Let's get rid of him. He's witnessing, and we want to get rid of him. Too many people are following him. And it's crazy because most of these priests were Sadducees, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And for them, there was one solution to this embarrassing problem. Killing. That yeah, works. That's killing. There's a great quote from Spurgeon. Quote, when men hate Christ, they also hate those whom he has blessed and will go to any length in seeking to silence their testimony, unquote. Think about it. How many people have tried to silence your testimony? How many people have tried to silence you when you try to speak of the Lord? 
Many people, maybe even your own family, have tried to silence you when you've come up and said about the Lord, when you talk about the Lord freely. Many, right? But as we wrap this up, I want to talk about this great contrast between Mary and Judas. It's very striking if you look at it. Mary was the embodiment of self-sacrificial worship. Judas was the embodiment of selfishness. Look at the two. You can see them clearly. Mary openly expressed her feelings of worship with a very costly gift. Judas only offered cheap criticism and sarcasm. Mary's place was at Jesus' feet, the ultimate position of servitude. Judas took the position of judgment, a critic. Mary possessed spiritual discernment as she anointed Jesus' body for burial. Judas was more concerned with worldly things, material trappings of the world. Mary is known for her worship, her devotion, and her purity towards the Lord. Judas is known as a traitor. Many people name their, their female child Mary. Don't hear too many people naming their male child's Judas. So how do you view your worship? How do you view your worship? Is it done out of a pure heart? Is it done out of heartfelt devotion? Or is it convicted? Contrived? Maybe it's not real. Are you just going through the motions? I'm not talking about just here. I'm talking about in your own settings, in your car, wherever you may be. How do you worship the Lord? How would you think about that? Do you just give Jesus lip service or heart service? Is your heart truly towards him? Or are you just mouthing off? Is your service based on others and love of Jesus Christ? Or is it done out of legalistic obligation? Are you doing things out of legalistic obligation if you are? Ministering to others should come from a debt of gratitude we have to Jesus Christ. I have gratitude to him for what he did in my life. And I want to serve others. I want to let other people see Jesus in me. Ministering to others should come from a debt of gratitude for what Jesus accomplished on the cross, his death and resurrection. Does your worship of Jesus cost you something? I'm not talking about monetary here right now, for instance. I'm talking about heart, everything. When you worship him, do you worship him with all your heart, with all your being, with all your soul, with every ounce of fiber that you have? Is that how your worship is? Because it should cost you something. Worship that doesn't cost you something is really not worship. It really ain't not worship. Have you presented your bodies as a living sacrifice? I present it to you, Lord. I like to pray. I've prayed often that the Lord would find my sacrifice acceptable and holy, but only by his blood. That's the only way I can be acceptable and holy is by his blood. And as his blood washes over me, the Lord looks upon me as acceptable and holy. Not my holiness. It's not my blood. It's his. But I offer my life to him. I offer it all to him. Have you been transformed by the renewing of your mind to the truth of Jesus Christ, to what Christ has really told you, the truth, his truth? You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.